I did it. How about that? Welcome in, everybody. This is episode 204, 204 of Living Off the Land. Uh, we are on location today, so if it sounds a little weird, uh, just deal with it. Uh, we are in uh, hashtag Twitterless Steve's basement. Whoop, whoop. Oh, baby. <laughs> I was waiting for something. Either that or... Uh, Never mind. I'm not going to get into it because it, it. Never mind. What's up, North Ridgeville? We are we are in North Ridgeville, in Lorain County. Yeah, go figure. We are outside Cuyahoga County for the first time in about two years for one of these shows. Um, yes, because I was one of those people who decided to move out here, probably because the tax rate is lower and all sorts of other stuff. But you know what? We're all good tonight, and we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, starting with the beer of the week. Dan, take it away. Yes, absolutely. Beer of the week. Uh, this is a debut for the podcast for this brewing company. Uh, went about two hours south to Columbus, Ohio, which we've done numerous times, Columbus beers. But this is a first. This is called Wolf's Ridge Brewing in Columbus, Ohio. And I am drinking, I, because I'm the only one drinking it. Feel free, lads. There's multitudes in there. Oh, look out. Um, I don't know with uh with what happened in soccer today. Steve might, <laughs> but anyway, this is an interesting uh beer. This is a type of beer that I don't think we've ever had on the podcast going back 200 episodes. Uh, I'm drinking their Daybreak Coffee Vanilla Cream Ale, and I will tell you what, this doesn't taste like beer at all. This tastes like straight coffee. You like coffee? Nope. <laughs> Steve's a big coffee guy. <laughs> That's a lie. That is a lie. <laughs> so I'm guessing, well, I'm going to be the only one drinking this tonight. But anyway, uh, profile on it is a light-bodied, brilliant brilliant clarity. Very nice. Brilliant clarity. Very nice. Iced coffee. It does taste, well, I don't know what, I, other than the fact that it's cold, I don't know what the difference is between iced coffee and regular coffee. I know there's a difference between cold brew and coffee, just because it's brewed different. Cold, I, I gather. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> Sounds cold. By the way, uh, the voice you're hearing is none other than returning guest, Matthew Stefano. Hello, Matthew. Greetings. If I had a third hand, I'd hit the applause button, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. So anyway, back it's to the beer. Store, co- uh, store cold, enjoy fresh. I don't know. It says that right on the can. Uh, 5% alcohol by volume, 14 IBUs. And let me just read the description here. Confusing to the senses in the best way possible. Daybreak's clarity and golden color. Don't know what the color is because I'm drinking it out of a can. Uh, belie the smooth coffee presence inside. Brewed with local one-line coffees, rotating house roast, and the finest vanilla beans. So shout out to local one-line. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming down in Columbus. But, uh, but anyway, this is spectacular. I'll just say this right now. This is incredible. High praise. Yeah, Beer Advocate, it gets a, an outstanding rating of 90 on Beer Advocate. Um, I bought I bought this just seeing it in the uh, liquor store. I had no idea what it was. I knew by reading it, but I didn't know like what it would taste like or the profile or if it was a highly rated beer or whatever. I just, I just bought it. And then I went on to Beer Advocate when I was in the car, when I got back in the car, and it said it had a 90 rating. 
I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then cracked it open, took the first sip, and it is wonderful. Very nice. A wonderful beer. Spectacular. As uh, WWE would say for WrestleMania this weekend, it's stupendous. This is going to get a very high score for me. Okay. Brace yourself because this is in the eights. Oh, boy. This is an 8.4. Oh, that's high. That's one of the highest grades I've ever given. What's the all-time all-time high? Oh. I think it was Spooky Tooth from Fatheads. Their Imperial Pumpkin Ale. It was in the nines. I think it might have been like a 9.5. That's wow. very high. That is so very high. high. Yeah. Is yeah. Uh, like, like if good. you ever watched um, uh, Barstool's Pizza Portland. Reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says you can't give anything a ten because if you give it a ten, that means there's not that there's it's right. not possible for something right. to be better. Um, so yeah, I kind of go off of that scale. Uh, so if anything is above the eights, it's really really good. Very nice. So this is really really good. Um, would definitely. Uh, would definitely recommend everybody try this. Including you two, but I know you're not going to, so whatever. So I'm just going to drink. If you're ever Cheers. down in Columbus, this uh, great brew pub, great restaurant right there, Wolf Ridge Brewing, 215 North 4th Street in Columbus, Ohio, just on the north end of downtown, kind of between downtown and short north. Uh, prob- great location, great the place to hang out as well. Where is that in relation to the arena district down there? It's just a few blocks away. Actually. Okay, great. So it'll probably be a cool place to go before uh, going to a Blue Jackets game or a, or a crew game. Yep. Crew just starting up again for the season. Last couple of weeks, I think. Yes. Yeah, the first first few games. Look, living off the living off the bus podcast here. Well, you know, I, hey, I've done 200, 204 episodes of this, and we've done different. What we've had, we've had some. Like returns, like revisits. Yep. Like last week, I had a beer that we've had on the podcast before. Um, there's only so many. For sure. Um, and we've done a, a numerous amount of Columbus beers. We've had uh, Jordan Hoffman from Columbus, uh, old high school buddy of uh, mine and Steve's, uh, on the podcast a few times to give a little bit of a Columbus perspective. Uh, we should probably revisit that and have him on again uh, soon. Probably. But uh, but yeah. So yeah, gen- I mean, generally we're a uh, we're a Cleveland podcast, but. We're 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 friends. We're friendly to the South. Love that. To Columbus. a certain extent. Columbus. I don't know about Cincinnati. I was gonna say once we get past the. Although uh, I will say we do have we do have a. I don't know what you. I don't know what Cincinnati people call themselves. Once you once you go past the hell really is, once you go past the hell is real sign, then the love yeah. kind of starts yeah, to yeah. tail. Uh, I'll show. I'll, I'll bring up the Cincinnati love. I'll, the I'll fighting Joe Burrows. Somebody somebody's got to defend them. The yeah, fighting Joe Burrows. Go cats though. But anyway, uh, Matthew, thanks for thanks for jumping on. We kind of threw this episode together last night. Steve told me uh, that you were in town, so decided to lug all the equipment over here and and have ourselves a little episode. How I you doing, Matt? You. I appreciate you tremendously. I am well. Good to be back in the land for a rare appearance. Nice and balmy, twenty eight degrees today. <laughs> well, hey, it's going to be like sixty seven tomorrow. Of yeah, uh, wait till tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be great tomorrow. That's right. And then, and then when you leave, it's going to drop down to 38 again. It's perfect. It's actually, I will say, it's actually, it's warmer, or at least it feels warmer with windchill than it did in Chicago where I was over the weekend, so. Oh, kudos, kudos the Windy the City. Yeah, uh-huh. I will say, man, I love Chicago, though. Oh, that's great. It's a fantastic great. city. It's, 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 it's like a big Cleveland. Yeah, I agree. Well, Although it's, it's very, it's, it's a lot more expensive. Very. Yeah. Very, very, very. 
Oh, uh, yeah, so 8.4. Uh, I do also want to say on uh, Wolf's Ridge, uh, the daybreak, uh, 10.99 at Max Beverage in Parma. Uh, I like saying that uh, uh, now so people know exactly how much the beer is. If they want to go try it themselves, they know what they're getting into price-wise because some beers are very expensive. Or the one last week, the platform uh, New Cleveland Palesner is uh, on the lower end of the uh, spectrum. But uh, very good. Definitely recommend it. Wolf's Ridge Daybreak uh, Coffee Vanilla Cream Ale. Uh, go check it out. So that is Beer of the Week. You know, you really ought to get Max Beverage to sponsor the show because it seems like every episode you <laughs> name drop them. You know? I, they That's just spot, isn't it? They have, well, it's the closest uh, It's the closest beer liquor store to my house, and uh, they always have an incredible selection. The only thing, the one thing that I was going to get that they didn't have that uh, the guy said they just ran out, uh, I was going to get some of uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's uh, Broken Skull uh, New American Lager from El Segundo, which is actually in California in L.A., um, but because it's WrestleMania week, I was going to get some Stone We're right Cold. in between yeah. 316 Day and WrestleMania, so yeah, yeah. it's selling Big like hotcakes. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about your John 316. Well, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. <laughs> One of the greatest Very beaches good. of all time. I mean, that's that's that that's literally what birthed Austin three sixty. That run of Stone Cold. Yeah. Yep. Nineteen King of the Ring. Honorable, honorable recreation. Well done. What? Anyway, I need to get that. You... I need to get that on the soundboard. Oh, the what? A- yeah. Absolutely. And anything Steve says that's that's weird or something. Just... What? what? <laughs> yeah. Plenty of that. Moving right along. Well, I don't think there's going to be anything weird here because in this episode of uh, Better Know a Neighborhood, we are in a celebratory mood today. Matthew's in town. There was a bunch of other happenings today that we'll get to later. But uh, no. so we are going to go to the party capital of Cleveland. Oh, God. Ohio City. Ooh. Why is that the party capital of the city? In in well, in my humble opinion, it is okay. I mean, because you go from you know the West Twenty Fifth District down to the West Bank of the Flats, uh, a few of yeah. these other places. You know, t- you could make a case for the Warehouse District or East. It definitely has the, the most. It definitely has the most downtown. It yet, definitely has the most breweries per capita in the city. Yeah, helps. That's for sure. So you know, there's a lot to cover here. We might as well just start right along the lake, Whiskey Island and Wendy Park which is just a fabulous area to hang out when it's not. Is it technically Ohio city? Ohio city goes all the way to the lake. So, okay. So, I mean, if you wanted to split off the flats, I don't know as its own district, then, you know, okay, fine. For the sake of the Cleveland, uh, neighborhood map, it, it divides at the Cuyahoga river. So, okay. Uh, well, there you go. I'll just discuss the geography of Ohio City for those that don't know. See, it I'm just, runs, I'm just, I'm just trying to steer the boat, Steve. In, in so <laughs> this neighborhood runs in the north from Lake Erie. Uh, in the west, it's bounded by West 44th and West 45th Street. In the south, by Clark Avenue, just south of I-90, and in the east, by West 25th Street and the Cuyahoga River. So within that little area, which is just immediately burn on Big River. Burn on. <laughs> little Randy Newman for all you out there. So we'll just start right again. Uh, Wendy Park in Whiskey Island is a really great park area right along the lake. Uh, it's a fabulous place to hang out. If you're a volleyball player, they have sand volleyball courts there. Uh, Love playing nice, volleyball there. Right on the lake. It's so much fun. There's a nice walking and running trail over there as well. Uh, yep. Just, I take champ there all the time during the summer. Just across 
when you cross the river, you get into you get over toward the west bank of the flats, and here is where you have all sorts of stuff to, to do. Uh, the Music Box Supper Club, the Improv Comedy Club and Restaurant, uh, Christie's Cabaret, and Ooh. Shooters on the Water. You like you like how he just glossed over that real yeah, quick? Real quick, quick. Christie, Christie's Cabaret. If you're into that. Yeah. Are all four of those <laughs> wonderful establishments are right along the terminus of the Cuyahoga River on the West Bank. You think Steve's ever partaken? And I abstain. <laughs> if you must know, I've been there one time. <laughs> oh. okay, and, a wren, and a wren was with me. Oh, what? 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 Leave what it there. Going, is, yeah, we let's leave it. We were invited by some mutual friends of ours. This was about, uh, it was in 2019. So That's amazing. You know. We'll talk about that off air. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we Hello. Def- we definitely will. Um, as you get over toward the other side of the river, you have the Greater Cleveland Aquarium. You have Jacob's Pavilion at Nautica, where, and you also have the dock for the Nautica Queen, which is by the way, spots. Even though it's not in Cleveland, Blossom always gets all the pub. Mm-hmm. I think Jacob's Pavilion's the best. Well, especially dock outdoor, especially outdoor. Yeah, but um, I love going to see shows at right Jacob's Pavilion. Love it, it. It's a fabulous venue. I mean, oh, literally, it's they, they point the stands opposite. From the river, so you're looking down toward the river, which is literally right behind the stage. Yeah. Haven't been there since before the pandemic, obviously. Um, but the last show I saw there was uh, Need to Breathe and Johnny Swim. Fantastic. Absolutely. Fa- Need to Breathe, live, right on the river. So good. Yeah, it's excellent. And for the big shows that, that go there and where the place sells out, Settler's Landing Park is right on the other side of the river. Mm. People actually, not unlike Blossom, they'll actually like put out blankets on the grass yeah. on the yeah. opposite end yeah, yeah, and yeah. and watch the concert from over there yeah i mean you can't really see anything but you can hear everything perfectly fine so i mean if you're just picnicking yeah. or whatever you're doing like yeah, yeah. It's excellent venue. yeah love it as you start climbing the hill uh out of the west bank you start coming across some pretty nice places to eat harbor inn cafe uh, mccarthy's restaurant downtown and uh, mulberry's cafe are all right in that corridor just along main avenue as you get toward the top of the hill, you have Luca Italian Cuisine, which is mm-hmm. you know, one of the top Italian restaurants in the city. Probably the best one outside of Little Italy, if I had to guess. Mm. In the Cleveland city limits, or or no? I mean, that's all I was considering. Yeah, probably. In, in yeah, in the city, Cleveland. Yeah, mm. there's some other places that I would. I, there are some out in the suburbs that clearly would would be on their level. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have we have no shortage of great Italian in 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 Cleveland for sure. Uh, right at the top of the hill near the shoreway is where St. Malachi Church is, uh, which just old St. Malachi, which just a few <laughs> weeks ago was St. Patrick's Day, which was a very warm day, and people were definitely imbibing and having a very, very good time. Not necessarily Lovely. there, but you know, first time celebrating St. Patrick's Day in three years. It, yeah. yeah, and when it was seventy degrees, I mean, I just knew it was going to be a ridiculous day, and it was. Uh, once you get across the shoreway, that's when you start getting into your main bar district. Uh, which kind of it used to run completely just down West 25th Street, and you still do, but you now have a new corridor which kind of goes along Detroit Avenue. This is where Saucy Brew Works is. This mm-hmm. is where Bop Stop is. Uh, this is where North High Brewing is. Uh, right yeah. along this little corridor. Yeah, North High. Uh, they just opened this summer. It's not an actual like brewing facility. It's a tap room, but it's really cool. It's a little spot, but they have, uh, especially during the summer, they have a lot of patio dining. Um, they have a lot of like garage doors that they open, so even if you're sitting inside, you feel like you're sitting outside. So it's a really cool spot. Um, and then Saucy's just it's it's a 
it's a favorite of the podcast. Um, I love Saucy Brew Works. Uh, shout out uh, our buddy Matt Schubeck who we went to high school with who works uh, for Saucy. Um, and, yeah, it's so cool. Dog friendly, which is great. Um, love that. And then their beer. Their beer is fantastic. They have really good pizza, really good underrated food, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, love their beer. And then I don't know if you're going to go over this too, but they have the uh, the Vibe Garden, which is almost like across the street. It's like an outdoor uh, area where uh, people play volleyball. They have a bunch of outdoor picnic tables. People can sit uh, and uh, enjoy a saucy brew. But, uh, yeah, I love saucy. Mm. That's interesting. I, I actually did not know that. Mm-hmm. Cool. As you turn and you go down West 25th Street into the main bar district, that's where you see places like Bookhouse Brewing. Bookhouse is uh, another great one. Uh, Nano Brew Cleveland is there. Town Nano Hall good. is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, great Lakes Brewing has one of their facilities The OG. There. That's, their, that's, their, that's their main OG spot mm-hmm. is uh, right off of 25th. Yeah, West 26th, uh, just near Lorraine. And then you get to the real – that is the real linchpin of the neighborhood. I mean, I know we've covered a lot already, but uh, that corridor right along Lorraine Avenue and West 25th Street, that intersection right there, that's where the West Side Market is. Mm-hmm. And that is the historic linchpin of the neighborhood. Yep. And the West Side Market is getting a huge facelift right now. Gosh, if you go by there so... right now, you'll see scaffolding and, and all sorts of uh, work activity going on there. Yeah, um, which is a facelift that, quite frankly, is badly needed for it. It, it yeah. was a facility that had been showing its age for a while, but uh, well, it's just be. I mean, it's been showing its age because the city really just didn't care about it anymore. Hopefully, with the new leadership in the mayor's office, that that's going to change. All signs are pointing towards that changing, but it's one thing to talk about it; it's another thing for them to actually follow through with it. So, we'll see what happens. Um, walking into the West Side Market, especially uh, since the pandemic, and obviously the pandemic is going to have an effect that. Nobody could really, um, you know, uh, expect or talk about or whatever. But um, it's a place that's definitely been through the ringer uh, the last few years. There's no doubt about it. For sure. But it's a very, very important centerpiece of that. Not only that neighborhood, but Cleveland as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So this whole area that I've described up to this point, particularly along Detroit and west 25th going down west 25th and over toward like west 32nd once you start getting over towards st ignatius high school this is mostly high rises and you're seeing a lot of high rises going up in the area they literally one going up right across the street from west side market that's about to open another one's just um on the adjacent side going toward downtown as you start to move out a little bit further to the south and to the west uh the neighborhood starts to become more residential more single family homes don't forget uh uh, on Lorraine, and we talked about this this place uh, a few weeks ago. Four City Shuffleboard, yes. Um, also, Platform Brewing Company, which is kind of off that main west. Right 25th, along the border with the Detroit on, Shoreway. Yes, yeah, it's on. It's on first and West Forty Fourth. Yeah, it's down on uh, Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Platform is another one of the Great Lakes is the OG brewery. Platform is probably like was like right after them um, in Ohio City. Uh, they also have a great great patio in, in the summertime yeah you, you're really right to point that out Dan. that the whole corridor along because i said the main bar routes are detroit and west 25th actually lorraine avenue is too mm-hmm. when, when you consider the platform is there force the shovelboard is there and you've got other businesses in between to kind of sustain you zinji noodle bar which is a nice uh, asian place ohio city barbecue which is at uh, west 38th in lorraine planet fitness oh yeah planet legendary fitness. gotta have that yeah um 
and you know as you go further, I think over, I think Momocho's over there too. Yes, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're nachos at uh, Progressive Field. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they're like fifteen bucks, but it's worth it. Yeah. So and and pretty much once you get out again toward the south end, it's it's mostly residential. Once you you know get down toward uh, almost toward the Clark Fulton area, which we haven't covered Clark Fulton yet, but that'll be on a future episode. Um, might be saving that for Cinco de Mayo week because that's a more Hispanic part of the the city. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's just there's so much to do. You could literally spend a week in Ohio City alone. There's just so much to yeah. see and do there. Great neighborhood. So that's our eighth neighborhood of Cleveland. And you can put, put it, it on, on the, the board. board. Yes. I like that. I don't know what it was, but I liked it. That's the, uh, you know, going off the theme of not being Cleveland this week, uh, that is the <laughs> Chicago White Sox uh, announcer. Anytime uh, radio announcer, anytime a White Sox player hits a home run. Got it. He yells, got you it, can put it, it on the board. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, that's good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We don't. It. I, I mean, a swing and a drive doesn't really fit there. It does not. <laughs> so it does I not. love Tom Hamilton, but yeah. So I I have joked, and I actually need to get on this. I need to have like the whole giant poster of the all the neighborhoods, and like actually pin it up or color it in as, as actually we put it on the board. So we've got eight of them done now. That'd be um, sweet. We started with Cam's Corners, Asia Town. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then we went on to Old Brooklyn, and then we hit a few places on the east side: yeah. Collinwood, Huff. Uh, last week we did Buckeye Shaker, nice. oddly enough. So, uh, you know, and there's, there's going to be more coming. So, uh, color it in. But we yeah. definitely, actually, Detroit Shoreway was two weeks ago. So we've we've hit some of the really fun places in Cleveland now. The last uh, couple of weeks. That's great. Buckeye Shaker, even it's this kind of it's that's a neighborhood that's just kind of an enigma. If you wa- listen to last week's episode, or if you didn't, you should probably go back and listen to that. Absolutely. Nice plug. <laughs> Shameless. So. <laughs> Shameless or seamless? Let's, there you go. Let's chalk. Chalk. Let's talk cherry blossoms, shall we? Let's do it. So in 2001, Dan and I, with our eighth grade class, went to Washington, D.C. for the first time. And we couldn't help but notice wherever we walked anywhere around you know, the various parkland, various monuments, various uh, important points of interest in D.C., that these – this was the first week of April – that there were these cherry blossom trees that were just in full bloom, and it was just incredible to see. I'd never seen anything every, like t- it. Every before. tour that we went on, um, this was mentioned by the uh, the tour guides, and I found myself to be obsessed with these cherry blossoms. I mean, it was it was one of the. I mean, again, realize we were. This was eighth grade, still young. I mean, thirteen. What years old? Thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, 12, 13, yeah. Like. So when I say at the time it was like one of, it was like one of the most spectacular sights I had ever seen. Like, keep that in mind. I was like a twelve year old person who had never been outside of Cleveland before. Basically, yo, you had Pokemon cards. You'd seen some stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have a lot of holographics. <laughs> <laughs> that holographic Charizard man. You know was what? The one that everybody wanted. That's you know one. what? I I don't know where my Pokemon cards are. I know I still have them, and I'm sure some of them. Some are, sure, some of them were. I need to go up to my my yeah, parents' house and dig through the basement and find those. Yeah. Then buy buy Bitcoin with it. (laughs) Might need a Bitcoin to to buy a holographic Mewtwo or a Mew. That's right. The cherry blossoms are iconic, though. 
I didn't hear any. I didn't see any texts in the group text about Bitcoin in the last five days. It must not be doing much of anything. Because whenever there's a big swing or a big drop, like it's been gradually, it, it's been gradually <laughs> growing. I'm just Mike's waiting. All whenever over it goes it. way up, Mike texts. About no, he'll it. text. Whenever it goes it, down, yeah. Dan texts. About if, it, <laughs> if it falls, he says nothing. If it, if, it, if it goes up, see, I don't, I don't say anything when it goes up because I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> right. All right, Mike. Well, all right, Bear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like Juventus and AC Milan. Whenever right. Juventus does something good, Mike's talking about it. Whenever AC Milan does something good, Dan's talking about hey, who's it. Top, or Anthony. Hey, who's top of the table? My beat. Hey, my beat. Okay, what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking blossoms. about cherry blossoms. Yeah, so cherry blossoms in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, I used to think they were one of the coolest things ever. I was like, when we went when we went to Washington, D.C. in eighth grade, I was like obsessed with them. That was when they were in bloom. Um, they were so cool, you know, the, the history of it being a gift from, from J- the Japanese uh, as a uh, symbol of friendship, which is hilarious because of what happened. That was in 1912, and what happened three decades later, uh, they tried to annihilate us um, mm-hmm. to no avail, obviously. But, um, yeah, I just think it's so cool uh, when they bloom, and they only bloom for a very short amount of time. Yeah, it, it's, it's a like really they're up. the window for like a couple of weeks. And they're it. up, they show themselves off, and then they're gone. Um, so I thought it was really cool. So the reason why we're talking about cherry blossoms, this isn't an agriculture. Uh, this isn't a horticultural horticultural. podcast. I was about to say <laughs> agricultural podcast. Um, it is also not. Right, it is not, absolutely. Thank um, God. <laughs> but uh, the Washington Nationals came out with essentially their version of the NBA City Edition uh, uniforms. And they are themed after the cherry blossoms in Washington, D.C. And I just think this is the coolest thing because it's such a departure from what you would think would be like, you know, uh, masculine sports, like whatever. They're flowers. They're they're. It's a uniform designed after flowers, which I'm not saying that if you like flowers, you're not masculine at you know, whatever. I, I I happen to love cherry blossoms. I I, I think of myself I as do very too. masculine. That was woke. You're on the yeah, right side of yeah, history, Dan that's Ford. Right, that's right. Straight woke. Oh God. Don't do that. <laughs> anyway. Um I just think this is so cool. I think it's such a cool idea. I think they did well with the design. I think the hat is awesome. And uh I just think it was so cool. You know, a lot of times especially and this is MLB, but the NBA and and I and the NFL as well and and I blame it more so on Nike than I do like the actual teams. Recently, in recent years, almost every team has gotten jersey designs horribly wrong, for sure. For the grand the grand majority have just missed the mark completely. I think they stomped both feet on the mark on this one. Oh, without a doubt. I think this was this was a this is this was awesome, mm. absolutely awesome, and. I think it's going to be more of a trend in baseball now that every team's going to do this, which brings me to what do we think the old guards are going to do with their quote-unquote city edition? They can't put the statue on, and if, either, if either one of you, well, because that's their logo now. Oh, I know where Dan's going with I thought this. They weren't the even, do they actually even have the statue anywhere? No, now? they don't. Because they have the G-ball. Yeah, the G-ball. The, the G-ball is supposed to be a depiction of the statue. They're just, they're, they're just using the baseball as a stupid face. It's the worst thing in the world. Don't even get me started. But 
I swear to God, if they if they if they incorporate any part of a guitar into a city edition oh, uniform, oh my God, I'll lose my mind. To have one of those guardian statues rocking out to a guitar. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's coming. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Just give me something that like has to do with like the lake or something. Put a freaking nice. put a freaking lighthouse on the jersey or something. Do the skyline like on court for the fifteenth. I mean, what do you what do you guys think? Like I the 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 rock hall element is played out at this point. For oh, sure. it's I definitely agree out. with you there. Um, well, yeah. here we are on the shores of Lake Erie, home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Anytime there's a, there's like a there's like a national sporting event, or like if the Indians are like Sunday night baseball, or the Browns are on like Sunday night football or Monday night football, uh, they got to talk about the Rock and Roll. Which, well, which the Rock Hall is literally right next door to the. Brown Stadium, oh, but so. but I get it. But listen, like I love I love the Rock Hall. Like it, I love going to the Rock Hall. I think it's really cool. But we're known for so much more than the stinking Rock Hall. Mm. It's it's an easy out for sure. It's yeah. it's the one thing that you talk it's like about do some time. research on the city. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. That would be good. I yeah I I agree with you. I think I don't think any has there has there been any uniform activity that's incorporated anything related to like the chandelier or Playhouse Square or anything like that yet. No, I, like I haven't seen be, that. That's actually a really outside, good idea. Outside the box, that's a pretty I don't good know. idea. Home I just of the think like second biggest theater district like, listen, in the United like, States. Like, like we have like the Lake Erie is is like the what like the the second biggest uh, Great Lake or something After like Superior. that. Or the second or, or isn't it like the second biggest like fresh body of water like uh, Lake Superior in the country is definitely first. Michigan's I, I want to say too. Michigan's second, but okay, uh, it could be third. Well, anyway, we're we're right it's on a the very sh- large body. Of we're right on the water. shores of like the Great Lake, so like yeah. why not? I don't know. And again, this is me getting upset about something that hasn't happened yet because I just know they're going to screw it up. <laughs> it's the spirit. <laughs> but like even like 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 do something like something that has to do with like the lake, like walleye or yeah. some sort of mean fish. <laughs> I like it. I like <laughs> or, the mean fish. Or trash in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Burning river, anything. Syringes and band-aids. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I know. love it. Syringes might actually would you, be somewhat appropriate, given that Cleveland is massive when it comes to healthcare. Oh uh, I was just that's right. Yeah, my first thought was like either was either healthcare or uh, factories. You know, with with our industrial past. Yep. You know? Yeah. But that would that would uh, that would essentially being uh, I don't know. Of course, people would think that would have a negative connotation somehow. So well, like, yeah, because I, it would relate to the to the Pittsburgh's football team, Steelers. True. We don't ever want to do that. I want to see Those the slobs. I want to see the guardian in the front train of the Millennium Force. That's what I want to see on the logo. Okay, you mean the rapid? <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, All the right. rapid. Hey, that's what we could do. We do the rapid. <laughs> so bad. RTA. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do, but yeah. Just, just uh, I don't know. Just don't screw it up for the first time ever. You screwed it up enough with the guardians. Mm. Ugh. I mean, it's basically the same script logo as what it was before how many days to opening different. day uh well like op- weeks? Op- opening day is april 7th uh the home opener i believe is the 15th okay i don't know if the indians are playing the 7th i know that's that's baseball's opening day so you know, I know the good that's... you know the good news about the little delay we're having at the start of the season is that i think mlb was originally supposed to start this past weekend yeah. I don't know if the Guardians were the Guardians were probably not home to start the season, but if they had been, they wouldn't have been able to play because yeah, of how so. cold and it snowed on Saturday. So like, yeah, silver lining, not too bad. Yeah, all good or 
yeah. maybe not so good things in time. But uh, no, for sure. One other Cleveland team that is very playing very important games right now is the Cavaliers. And last night they had a game where they had some guys go out with injury, and they really had to, you know, kind of go to their second and third game plan, you know, against Orlando. And you know, thank goodness they were only playing Orlando and not somebody good. Um, they oh were yeah, able, they were able to pull the game out. But uh, I mean, Orlando was twenty and fifty-five coming into that game, so they were they were not going anywhere clearly. Yep. But uh, you know, really, any win at this point is big for the Cavaliers. They're they're still in the hunt to avoid the play-in tournament. Their odds are much lower now that they lost the two games last week to Toronto and Chicago. The Chicago game, they came back from 20 down, uh, but just dug themselves too big of a hole to get out of. Yeah. Um, how are we feeling about the Cavs right now? What's the actual situation at this point? There's like, what, six or seven games left seven in the season? Seven games left. They're 42 They're and 33. How many games out? They're a half two. game behind Toronto for oh. sixth. They're way in. They're definitely in it. And six is where you cut off the, the play-in tournament. Right? Six yes. is where you know you're playing a seven-game series. Right. Yes. It's seven through ten. Does Seven through ten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seven and eight play each other. The winner of that is yeah. in. Then yeah, the loser yeah. plays the winner of the 9-10 matchup. More or less, the Cavaliers would have to basically lose out to fall below seven. Right. Given that uh, Charlotte and Brooklyn are both three games over five hundred, tied for eighth. So it's 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 basically just they got to catch Toronto slash whoever else is above there. They're a half game out. Yeah. Chicago, I think, is a half game above Toronto. No, they're tied. Oh, they're tied now. Both teams are forty three and thirty two. We're forty two and thirty three. Okay, so we're still very much in that discussion. Yeah. 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 We're just so we hurt. won those two games. We'd be fifth place. So mm. freaking hurt, man. Is Okoro is um not Okoro uh, is Mobley okay? I know he was uh, he was he's out tomorrow. Um, he they did an MRI today. I don't know about the result. He did X rays uh, at the arena last night. Those were negative, so he didn't break okay. his ankle. That's um, they're trying to. I guess they're trying to determine whether it's a high ankle sprain. Which if it's a high ankle sprain, we'll he's done out. for the year. Uh, and if it's not, right now he's day to day. So yeah, my my thinking is. They would know if it was a high ankle sprain already. So I think it's basically for him, it's an ankle sprain, and it's going to be pain tolerance. Like, yeah. what, what can you do? Yeah. Like, so we'll see. He's de- he's declared out for tomorrow against, uh, against Dallas. So we'll see. The Cavs have four ge- four games and five nights coming up, so I don't know how many, if at all, he's going to play of those. It but feels like you probably shouldn't push him, but also like if it's going to be the difference Jared between Allen six is, and seven. Yeah, Jared Allen is also so out. out. Mobley's out. Markkinen got hurt last night, even yeah. though he stayed, he came back into the game, so he's probably okay. But yep, he's hobbled a little bit. Wade's um, out. Wade's out. Uh, but, 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 yeah, I mean, it's just – I. The thing that really worries me with all these guys out is you just mentioned it, four games and five nights. Yeah. yeah. That's brutal. That is not what you want when you're down players. Which means, you, which means you better win the first one or two of these four and five nights because by the time you get to – Games three and four of that stretch, guys are going to be dead, especially with, especially with, um, you know, shortened rotation. The game out of this four-game stretch that the Cavaliers absolutely cannot afford to lose, in my opinion, anyway, is the game at New York on Saturday afternoon. They the Knicks are terrible. They've got to win that one. And again, the other is that game, home or at Madison Square Garden? That's away, but even so, and the other game again, win the first game and and. You know, it definitely takes the pressure off because yeah. I, I don't necessarily expect the Cavs to follow up the next night in Atlanta and win there. Although the Hawks have been up and down, but the first time we played in Atlanta, we lost. So 
I think Atlanta beat us here too one of those times. I think you're right about correctly. that. So we've not played well against the Hawks this season, and we really haven't played well against the 76ers who we play on game. Sunday yeah. at the end of that stretch. So you might it as well like chalk that play, one up as an It feels like we right play now. those jokers like every other night because we we didn't we start played them in the first half. Right, we didn't start playing them until like a month ago. We played them four four times in the final two months. Yeah, doesn't help. Zero for three against them so far, and I mean I can't imagine. Just can't handle Embiid, man. I mean he's just he's just he's unbelievable. So good. So bottom I mean, people line, will say James Harden, but the next time James Harden plays well in a in a pressure moment will be the first time. That's what that's why that's why I think depending on the matchup, I think the Sixers could go out in the first round. I'm sure your dad will probably try and I, punch me in the face for saying that. Yeah, Ren too with the Cameroonian attachment with uh Embiid. Can't be saying that. Is he from house. Cameroon? He's Cameroonian. He is from he? Yaounde, same city yeah. as Oh as wow. Ren, I didn't know that. Can't be well, bringing that trash into this household. How dare you? Pass. Listen, listen. I I had I said nothing about Joel Embiid. I think he's one of the best players in the league. That's true. What I'm saying is the next that the next time James Harden plays well in a playoff or pressure moment will be the first time. That guy That's never true. plays well. Joel Embiid may be the uh, best known Cameroonian player in the NBA, but uh, he's not an NBA champion like his countryman Pascal Siakam of the Raptors, Siakam. who is wow. from Douala, Cameroon. And you know the, the fact that we are talking about the are we done with the Cavs yet? Or do we want to? Because, um, so I think where we were going with this is we're really hoping the Cavs can go two and two in this next four game stretch. I think that's probably their ceiling given the situation. Well, that sounds about right. Here's the thing. And then here's the thing. I I've been I've been vocally in our text chains down more than it seems anybody else on the team. Not because of what they've accomplished this year. It's because they've gotten to this point of what they've accomplished, and now it seems like they're running out of steam, and, it, and it's partially not their fault. It's hard for me to to uh, reconcile the fact that uh, anybody else in the NBA has had more injury issues than the Cavs had this year. So it's not it's not that I'm like down on them because I think that they're like not good. I, you know, this season's been incredible. I've loved this season, but it just sucks that it seems like they're running out. Of, and part of it is because of the injuries. Part of it is because they're young. You know, a lot of these guys are not used to playing this many games. Um, it just sucks because the first three quarters of the season was filled with so much promise. And it just seems like they're just dragging themselves to the finish line. And uh, I know that they're only a game out of the sixth seed. I don't think there's any way they're going to be in the – I don't think there's any way they're not going to be in the play-in. It feels like they're heading towards the play-in. And also – and also, It's not impossible. And also, if Brooklyn is the eight seed, I don't think there's any way we're winning that matchup. So that's going to be – it's going to be us against the winner of Charlotte and Atlanta. You know, that's the interesting thing because we had just kind of assumed that it was going to be Brooklyn in eight, but Charlotte's actually get, put in a bit of a push here the last yeah. week Because guess so. what happened? Kyrie. New York decided <laughs> to amend their Vax mandate, so now Kyrie can play in every game. <laughs> if Ky, I, I said this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. If Kevin, if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are healthy for the playoffs – I think the Brooklyn Nets can go to the NBA Finals from the eight seed, hundred percent. Yeah, well, guess who el- who else hasn't possible. been relevant in NBA playoff basketball in recent years? Who? Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. But yeah. guess who has been? Kevin Durant. He, he also. <laughs> hey, I, that's. I don't. I don't get that statement. He was a disaster in Boston. Hey, he's complete, been a cancer complete, for a while. I, for a while. Yeah. Yeah, but he was. He was. Did he even play in the playoffs in Boston? He was hurt the one year. Celtics were better when they didn't play with him. Okay, Steve. I mean, th- for God's sakes, the guy hit the guy hit the the biggest shot in NBA in NBA playoffs history. 
True, but that was also six years ago. Kyrie's a terrific. He's talent. lost his head since then completely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I still think when he's healthy, he's 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 one of the baddest men on the planet with a basketball in his hands. He's got a lot to prove in this postseason. I'll just leave it at that. He has I, no- I guess I guess I'm not a believer. He in has anymore. nothing to prove in the postseason. What are you talking about? I just don't believe in, in him. In recent anymore. years. I mean, he's he's a terrific talent. I don't think anybody would dispute that. He's actually been playing really well lately from my outside headlines perspective. He's dropped like a couple like 45, 50 point games. There's the only there's there's only a handful of guys that I would rather have the ball in the hands in the playoffs than that guy. I'll yeah, just he's I'll clutch. Leave it I agree. That. I agree, but I also agree with Steve that like he's he hasn't done anything recently, and he's been a cancer for a long time. And also, how does Ben Simmons factor into that whole equation at this point? Yeah, that Have I they don't know. Played together? Have the three of them? Like, I don't think Ben Simmons yet? has played yet. So that's all interesting. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't. To me, I don't think Ben Simmons has to play for that team to be a plan. Well, no, just in general in, in the East. I think if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are right and healthy, yeah. and they can beat anybody in the East. Matthew, who do you think is? I don't know how much you followed the NBA this year, but where do you? If you had to pick a team to come out of the East, who would you say? Um, standings generally right now, what it's like Sixers are still towards the top, Milwaukee's Six, still towards the top, Miami is one, Philadelphia two, Milwaukee oh, three, Miami, right. Boston four, Chicago five, Boston. Toronto six, Cleveland seven, Brooklyn eight. It feels like the Sixers have been the most consistent team throughout the year in my outside perspective, but I also, like, their playoff history has been real, real poor. Like, I kind of feel like I need to default to Miami with that because I I hear Dan's perspective on Brooklyn, but also, like, until they actually prove it, until they actually get it together, it's hard to to buy in. Yeah, look, I'm not not saying that I'm going to take money uh, to the sports book and, and put it on Brooklyn. I'm saying that if those two guys are right, they can be. I'm not saying they're going. They can beat anybody. I'm still putting my money on Milwaukee to come out of the East. Okay, that's very reasonable. That's actually who I have too. Although I don't trust Miami. I, I've already made my feelings known about Philly. I don't trust James Harden. Um, the Celtics. Eh. Celtics are playing the best of the Celt- They are right now, but oddly I, enough, hmm. I don't know if they have that. Jason Tatum's incredible. Yep. But I don't know if they have that guy. See, it's all about having having a guy, that guy. The, he, having that guy. That and to me, there's only a few guys in the East that are that guy, and to, and two of them are the two teams that I mentioned, Giannis. Kevin Durant and Giannis. And for me, you can even once you get to that point in the playoffs, you can even throw Kyrie in there because I think the guy's absolutely all world and spectacular. Is Embiid that Especially guy in to you? He is, but, but I think he's James, But I think Harden. James Harden. He, I think James Harden. Uh, and and like you said, Embiid. I have faith in, in Embiid, but he's also a guy that hasn't exactly proven it yet. Yeah, that's true. That's I think true. this year could be different. I think he's going to be held down by James Harden. Very possible. So Very possible. But I'm going gonna... to go with Milwaukee. I mean, they're defending champs. They're kind of like nobody's really talking about them. They're kind of just like yeah. laying in the weeds, and, you know, they've got Giannis. So. <sighs> Very reasonable. Yeah, for sure. Well, the hope is then that the Cavaliers can win at least one of the two games they have to in the play-in tournament and get there. We and our consensus is is that it'll have to come against Charlotte or Atlanta. At this point, I hope it ends up being Charlotte because the Cavs have not played well against Atlanta. We get one more shot at them on Friday night, as we just said. But I really hope four they... games in five nights. Yeah, it's back to back. Yeah, I really so. hope they can sneak in just for the sake of not even for the sake of making a real run in these playoffs, but just for the young guys to get a real series yeah. under their belts for Agreed. next year would be. 
it's, it'll be invaluable. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, especially with, um, and well, I, I know, I know you eventually, I know what you eventually want to get to the week. We'll get to you coming up, but here. especially with, with you, um, Matthew, you're a drummer. Um, you played in bands and stuff. Uh, probably the, is it fair to say the biggest rock band in the world right now? Yeah, I, I would. Of probably maybe the last, the last decade or decade, two. Decade, decade and a half. Uh, Taylor Hawkins, drummer of the Foo Fighters, was found dead um, Friday in his hotel room yep. in uh, Columbia. What's it, do you remember what city it was? Bogota. It was either Bogota or Barranquilla. Bogota, I think. I think it was Bogota. I think it was in Bogota. Um, just incredibly sad. Yep. Uh, 50 years old. Um just an incredible musician. I've I've been, you know, Foo Fighters is probably growing up one of the bands that kind of influenced me the most. One of the bands that I listened to the most. I mean, um, the album, uh, the color and the shape, insanely good. Their second album, I mean, even their first album, but their second album was just. I mean, when you think of the Foo Fighters, those are the hits you think of. You think of Everlong. You think of Learn to Fly. You think of Monkey My Wrench. Hero, Monkey Wrench. Yep. I mean, that album made them. And then obviously they've gone on to make several other records. But um, I know that I, th- I I know just watching documentaries and stuff over the weekend and the last several days. That was the album that Taylor Hawkins didn't record that album, but he toured with them on that album. Uh, Dave Grohl actually recorded that entire album, all the instruments, yep. all that. If you watch the uh, their back and forth documentary, <laughs> he had uh, he had bandmates, and uh, the the old the first drummer tracked the drums on the album, and <laughs> Dave Grohl listened to it, didn't tell the guy, <laughs> went back and retracked all the drums himself, and uh, the drummer found out that all the guys had gone from Seattle to LA to essentially re-record the album. And, uh, uh, the, the bassist told the old drummer, um, yeah, you know, Dave, uh, just wanted to retrack one of the songs, whatever it's, it's, it's fine, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then the guy, when he didn't hear from Dave ended up calling Dave again or to calling Dave. And, uh, he's like, um, yeah, I redid the whole album. Pretty hilarious. So uh, looking back on it, 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 it's you know I'm not I'm not in tune enough to what like oh that drum didn't sound good or blah 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 blah, but it's like obviously he did he did it right because that album absolutely blew up, um, but that was when Taylor kind of Taylor was the drummer for Alanis Morissette and then uh, Dave asked him to join and he was just like yep I'm in let's do it, and then for twenty some odd years was just rocking out with Foo Fighters until his you know, tragic death this past week, but, um, it's absolutely brutal. It's just heartbreaking because, you know, we were texting with, uh, with our good buddy, Matt Steigerwald today, just talking about, you know, what we know about what happened and just the, you know, the, you know, it, it was, it seemed as though he was having heart issues and, you know, Matt brought up a really good point. Um, you know the the heightened elevation in Colombia. You know thinning of the air. You know maybe Bogota not, is up about eight thousand feet. Maybe not being mountains. able to get as much 
and, I, and again, I, I'm not a doctor, but you know, not being able to get enough oxygen to his heart to, you know, to, uh, you know, blood in the oxygen or oxygen in the blood and, you know, all that stuff, whatever, you know, when he died, they said that his heart was two times the weight of a normal person's heart. Oh, wow. It was 600 grams, I think, or something. And a normal person's heart weighs 300 grams or something. So it was obviously he had, uh, heart failure. Um, you know, he's had his publicized issues with drugs in the past. He OD'd on heroin and survived in 2001, I believe. Um, so we don't know if, if lingering effects of, you know, something like that contributed, but yeah, just, and, and I read, read a story that he was complaining. Uh, he was not, not complaining, but he had mentioned something about, uh, having chest pains before their last, one of their last shows or last days before, uh, he had passed away. And then he just passed away the day before or the day of, he was found the day of they were supposed to play their next show in South America in Bogota. So sad, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it it's tragic. I mean, it, one of obviously, you know, I don't think either of anybody here ever actually met the guy or spoke to no. the guy in person. But no. you know, just from from the media and, and and outlets and such, like by all accounts, a really class act of a guy. Like, yeah, and, I mean, just the outpouring of love from everybody uh, on social media, oh, like yeah. all in, in the in the uh, musical community. Yeah, saw Jimmy Page. He was just so Roger loved. Taylor, we're shouting yeah. him out like all sorts of legends yeah. in the industry. Jane's Addiction. Yeah. yeah. Um. I guess the the lead singer of Jane's Addiction, I guess, was his best friend. Yeah, Navarro. Um, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, obviously we've had some other really high profile losses in the past years: Chester Bennington, Lincoln Park, yeah. Chris Cornell of yeah. uh, uh, Soundgarden. Uh, Soundgarden, sorry, excuse me. Um, yeah. So you know, and and just going back and watching like YouTube videos of interviews with Grohl and Taylor Hawkins, like they were like brothers. Yeah. And you think about it with Dave Grohl, which we're going to tie, tie it back in. Dave Grohl uh, from Warren, Ohio. Not a lot of people know that. That's right. Uh, he is from Warren, Ohio's northeast Ohio, correct? Yes, that is just to the north of the Youngstown. We're yeah. claiming it for sure. That's right. That's right. Rock on, Dave. Um, but you think about Dave Grohl. Like Dave Grohl was, in, was the drummer for the most popular uh, rock band in the 90s, Nirvana. And his lead singer, uh, tragically, took his own life. Um, uh, Heroin overdose. What? No, no, he no. Uh, what the hell? Uh, Kurt Cobain. I couldn't Kurt remember Cobain. his name. <laughs> no, Kurt Cobain shot himself. Yeah, on heroin. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. You're right. You're yeah. Right. He shot himself. Um, but and then he becomes the front man for a band, and then his drummer. Like, obviously, this is twenty twenty eight years difference. Like, it was 28 years ago when Kurt Cobain uh, passed away. But it's like, he goes through that, and then now has to go through, he's the front man, and his drummer passes away. Like, it's just crazy. It's insane. And, um, you know, the guitarist for Foo Fighters, Pat... Um, Pat Smear. Pat Smear. He was a, a touring guitarist for Nirvana when yep. uh, Kurt passed away. So he has to deal. he has to deal with both as well. And it's just, man... You know, you see all these interviews of Dave and Taylor uh, together. And like I said, they just seemed like they were so close. They just seemed like brothers. Like, um, it's just so sad. And, the you know, the reason why I'm uh, harping on this, because like I said, this was like, this was like the first 
like rock band that I like grew up with. Like this was the first um band that I like grabbed a hold hold on to. Um their music was very influ- influential for me. Um So yeah, it's it's crazy. I never got to see them live and who knows now like what they're going to do. I can't imagine um Dave Grohl's just going to stop playing music. Yeah, I I'm can't sure eventually, that. eventually they'll they'll get back. Um, but man, I mean, there was, you know, we talked about the original drummer, but really there was no other drummer in Foo Fighters than yeah. Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, because Dave did the drums on the first track. William yeah. tried to do the second. Dave yeah. wasn't cool with it. Yeah, which also again speaks to like the bond that he and Taylor had, both as musicians and as people. Like Taylor walking in to a situation, knowing the fallout yeah. that's happened here, and yeah. being completely unafraid of it. You know, like I've watched, it. I've watched uh, interviews. Like there was an interview with Taylor Hawkins when he did with um, uh, Howard Stern, where he's, where Howard asked him like, "How do you drum for Foo Fighters, right. knowing that?" the greatest living rock drummer is your front man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. He's like, he's like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, the only time that I really get uh, nervous about it is when we're tracking new songs. Right. Cause it's just like, Oh, is this how Dave would want me to do it? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, uh, and Dave's always super cool. He's like, he's like, no, it's, it's Taylor Hawkins. He's the drummer yeah. of the Foo Fighters. That's right. Know? That's right. But, uh, yeah. So I just, I know you're yeah. huge into music. You're yeah. a drummer yourself. Like, um, it was, yeah, no, I'm, I'm to your point on, on influences and such like, yeah, I, Taylor Hawkins is one of probably three or four drummers that really dictated. Like when I was learning how to play drums in the yeah. eighth and ninth grade, like that's what I was playing to. I was playing to the Foo Fighters. I was yeah. playing to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. There's like a handful of like those big arena rock bands that were, you know, big at the time and continue to be big now. And he's amongst them. It's, it's, it's super hard and, and. Uh, just the influence that he had throughout the music community, like you mentioned, how many shout outs there were and everything else and, and, and the pressure along the way. He had two teenage kids, I believe, as well. Oh, yeah. it's, it's just it's wife and two teenage kids, yeah. Yeah. Just couldn't even imagine. That's yeah. the worst aspect of it of all. Truly. Right there. Yeah. Did you ever get to see Foo Fighters live? I did. I saw oh. them in the uh yeah, I saw them um this was good. My my mom didn't want to let me go because she heard they were pretty pretty angsty, pretty aggressive live. They said some <laughs> some foul mouth words. I think I was in the eighth grade. I had to convince one of my friends' moms to come to the show because that was the only way that my that my mom would let me go. Yeah. Uh, so we got we got. But of course that would it, make it better. There wouldn't be profanity. Exactly. There. Yeah, there's no profanity yeah. if mom's there. Yeah. Dave, Dave Grohl. I see a mom in the crowd. That's right. He kept a PG. It yeah. was it was yeah it was terrific. The best thing that happened that night was besides having my friend Austin Sayers' mom take us to it because that was the only way we could go. Was it at the queue? It was at the queue. Uh, Dave brought out a, a bubble machine, like a like a $10 <laughs> Toys R Us bubble machine that he yeah. stood on the on the side of the stage. And he was like, no, it's a rock show. We got a $10 bubble machine. We got bubbles. This is like song two. Kicked it into the crowd and so on song three. Just booted it 10 rows deep. It was this great. has nothing to do with, with Taylor. Uh, but uh, no, uh, nothing to do with Taylor, but. Uh, how about when uh, Dave Grohl fell off the stage, broke his leg, finished the show in the second song, and finished the show Absolutely with legendary. a paramedic just holding his leg together? Absolutely legendary. And then didn't cancel the rest of the tour. Had a uh, had a throne built, and just sat on the throne during the shows and just just ripped on guitar Unreal. every night. Unreal, one of a kind. He's just yeah. It's just 
they just loved playing rock music. And I, I say loved, but love playing rock music. Yeah. And I just, I can't imagine what, you know, all of them, but especially Dave with his with his um, history with Kurt Cobain and and uh, and now Taylor, um, what he's going through. I mean, it's got to be just, just horrible. You know, we've all experienced loss in our lives, but I think very few times. You know, we all experience loss in our lives with family and with friends, but it's something that I think is different about somebody who's not your family but you spend every day with and that's yeah. that's a rock band and and you can you can attribute it also with sports teams yep when you when you're together that long i mean those guys were in a band together for 20 some odd years and were together almost every day yeah. rock and roll hall of famers 25 years yeah i mean like the bond that you that like obviously nothing's going to be um nothing's going to be bigger than family but the bond that you you make with with a teammate or a um, a bandmate is is pretty incredible, and I can't imagine. And and especially was there was no sickness, there was no illness to where like, you know, you can start thinking and preparing like, okay, what's life going to be at, you know, what what's life going to be like after without, you know, my best friend or something. I mean, he like that. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was shocking. I don't think anybody saw it coming. No, I I saw the tweet on Friday night, and I was just like, "You've got to be kidding me! No way!" Yeah. And then ever since, I've just any time I've had free a free moment, you know, I'd throw on a Foo Fighters live performance, Absolutely. or and the most heartbreaking is watching. It's on YouTube, so if you want to go go and watch it, and I um, urge anybody who's a Foo Fighter fan or something that that's listening to this podcast, um, their final performance is on YouTube. The entire thing. Uh, it's when they played at Lollapalooza in Argentina. And uh, it's just heartbreaking, man, because like in that moment, just one week ago, everything was all right. Everything was fine. You know, they look like they're having the time of their lives. And then within a week's time, just everything changes. It just goes to show you how, uh, you know, sometimes it's almost cliche. People say it, but nothing's ever guaranteed. Your next day is never guaranteed. Yeah. You never know what what kind of time you're going to end up having on this planet. Absolutely. It's, you know, there are certain things you can do to prolong to a certain degree but it's just you know let your time at your time yeah absolutely and a lot of these times that we were talking about this one sometimes it just seems like it's not enough you know yeah yeah it makes me appreciate uh you know times like like these to to get back to, to come oh, and nice see you plug guys. that That's was a, yeah it's a very famous foo fighter like song that? one of my favorites it, it it wasn't on purpose and as it was coming out i realized it was too late to go back so yeah. i appreciate that but yeah. it makes me appreciate uh <laughs> yeah. you know getting back times here. like these <laughs> we learn to live again. again um seeing you guys seeing you know meeting my my little niece of yours steve yeah uh, which is amazing and you never little know scarlet time you got. yeah I know. scarlet shout out yeah. scarlet <laughs> so, yeah, it's so incredible. I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. I want to to give a appropriate tribute. Um, there, I mean, like I said, they're they're up there for me for um, some of my favorite bands. And it's funny, probably the other band that that I grew up and was influenced by, you know, I mentioned was uh, Lincoln Park, and they lost Chester Bennington a few few years ago. Um, can't believe that's already been five five years. Uh, it's going to be five years in July. That's insane. But uh, yeah, it's sad. Never got to, you know. I'll never get to see Foo Fighters play with with Taylor Hawkins, which sucks. But that's yeah, a tragedy. Hopefully they, hopefully they, uh, you know, 
after enough time uh, of grief and and all that, um, you know, get back to doing what they love and play music because I'm going to make it an absolute priority in my life if they ever start touring again is to go see Foo Fighters. They so. put on a heck of a show. They're worth it. I yeah. can say that much. They're terrific. Yeah. So uh, one thing real quick I wanted to uh, touch on. Um, the Buffalo Bills announced a new stadium uh, that they're going to be building, and the, the Tennessee Titans actually – the governor. Of Finally, <laughs> the governor. I don't know what that was, but the governor. With regard to Buffalo, because their stadium. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> they needed to get that done, or else they were they were going to be serious rumors of them moving out of Buffalo. So, um, also the Titans are the governor of Tennessee is looking to put aside uh, public funds to fund a new stadium for the Tennessee Titans. But um, with these two uh, teams looking to get new stadiums, Buffalo for sure, and then the Titans probably down the road. It's not going to be far uh, down the road before uh, the Browns start talking about building a new stadium. It seems like um, now with the advances in technology, any stadium that, is, that was built in the, in the 1990s is essentially being deemed obsolete at this point. Um, it really has become if you, a stadium's arms race. Now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at almost half of – probably almost half the NFL – has stadiums that were built from 2010 on. Yeah, built or renovated in the case of a couple. Yeah, major renovations, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I what I thought was interesting was Buffalo is going to build an open-air stadium. They're not going to put a retractable roof on Seriously. the new stadium. That is culture. They just do – I mean, I lived in Western New York for a year That's after so college, and they just, you know, they embraced that. They really do, Even well, perhaps even more so than they do here. Their bank account's not going to embrace it because they're going to lose out on a ton of revenue by not having an indoor facility of that magnitude. That's why I wanted to. I posted it as a poll on on uh, our social media, and I wanted to ask you guys. Didn't want to spend too much time on it, but just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. When the Browns inevitably um, propose to build a new stadium, should it be open air or should we have a either straight dome or retractable roof on that stadium? I mean. And I'm sure, in my initial thought prospect, you're you're basically weighing out the concept of does the dome bring more people into the stands, or does not having the dome give advantage to the home team that's used to playing in the cold or whatever else? To the point that your actual performance will be better and it's worthwhile in that respect are the two kind of opposing viewpoints that I immediately think about. But as a selfish fan, I'm like, heck yeah, give me the dome. If you're gonna spend the money, oh my yeah. gosh. Here, here's why I say dome retractable roof whatever right now that stadium on the lake uh there's only about three or four months out of the year where you can hold events there yep football games concerts whatever you put and people say oh just put a roof on the existing stadium you can't do it it's not feasible they tried they did studies about it you can't do it it structurally you can't do it so a new stadium with a with a retractable roof you're going to be in line to get a Super Bowl, to host a Super Bowl, whether the Browns are in it or not. You're going to be in line to host a Super Bowl. You're going to be in line to possibly host a Final Four. These are all things, and people say, oh, it's Cleveland. Why would the blah, 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 blah. All these things have been in Detroit. True. Once they built Ford Field. Detroit, Indianapolis, Minneapolis. Right. So, all true. So, Super Bowl, Final Four. Uh, you know, you want to go the wrestling route, WrestleMania. Uh, you know, a bunch college you, national championship. You're, yes, uh, uh, I guarantee you, if 
if uh, if Cleveland builds a, a dome or a retractable roof dome or whatever, you probably see the Big Ten championship come to Cleveland yep. in football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then and then you're able to hold concerts there year round. It's not just you know three or four concerts in the summer. You know, when whenever you can fit them inside of uh, uh, Browns games. I can hear you doing that, by the way. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, other – more uh, soccer matches, more, you know, stuff like that. It's just being able to generate revenue for the city um, and to hold a whole bunch – you know, we've been very blessed to be a city like Cleveland to host a bunch of cool events given the facilities that we have. MLB All-Star Game. NBA All-Star Game, NFL Draft, Republican National Convention. That's all just within the last five years. Imagine if we have a, a, a football stadium that has a retractable roof and we could host all the events that I just talked about. The amount of revenue that that would bring in for the city. Yeah, great points. It does, And that's not even talking about the play on the – yeah, what, do I think it's cool that like, you know, you know, 2008 when we went to the Snow Globe game <laughs> uh, with, with uh, Browns and the Buffalo Bills – you went eight nothing. That was an epic game. That was awesome, but I, I don't know. I just like the aspect. I, I just there's so much more you can do with a retractable roof. Do you think if if we had a retractable roof and it snowed, do you actually think they would close the roof? Yeah. Yeah. They I wouldn't so. have to. No, they wouldn't have to. But I think they would. Yeah, but think of how many how pissed the fans would be. <laughs> What's the purpose? I don't think the fans here would there? be pissed. Oh, I I I think people here would embrace mm. the cold weather, don't they? Uh, yeah, when they don't have a choice, <laughs> you give them an option. Right. Okay. Sit in the warm. I, I hear you on sit that. In the cold. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I. Uh, I agree with Matthew on that one. So, so where's the threshold then? Like, when it gets below what fifty degrees, they'll close it, or like even they... even warmer. Yeah. Even... No, yeah. I mean, probably just that and just precipitation. Oh, they'll definitely yeah. close it if it's raining. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I. I don't know. I. I just think, like like you mentioned, like with uh, Minneapolis, actually isn't a retractable. That's actually a dome. It's like it a glass is just dome. a straight dome. Yes. Um, but I think your your test kit is looking at Indianapolis with Lucas Oil uh, Stadium. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first new age stadiums to be built. It was built in two thousand eight, and that stadium it's now incredibly it's fourteen years old. That's that stadium still looks like it's brand new. The yeah, house that Peyton built. Good. Yeah, Lucas Oil Stadium is gorgeous. It's where they hold the NFL, well, up until probably next year. That's where they hold the NFL Combine. Um, Just had the national championship for college. Yeah, they always have the Big Ten championship game there. But it's what just, a darn shame the Bearcats didn't make it there because they would have yeah. been like all Bearcat fans. Pour one out for them. <laughs> Pour one out for them, man. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I just I just wanted to get your th- so what would your you vote retractable roof? Yeah, I vote, I vote retractable roof. Oh, I would say the same retractable roof, but I want to touch back on something else here. Buffalo, we knew, had one of the oldest facilities in the NFL. It was far away from downtown Buffalo, so it wasn't convenient geographically. Yeah. The new it stadium is staying in Orchard Park, by it the way. Absol- I just don't get that, but be that as it may, yeah. they very badly needed a new facility. Nashville, on the other hand, is very interesting to me. That's a, Nissan Stadium was built in the you know, same general time frame as, as First Energy Stadium. It is a facility that's very well located, right right adjacent to downtown Nashville. Yeah. It's you know, it's not a stadium that has a great amount of bells and whistles, but it works for the market that it's in. The fact I don't think it's a, I don't think it's ever been renovated. 
No, it hasn't. First Energy Stadium had a renovation. That's true. Um, Which maybe prolongs First Energy's life a little bit. A couple years, yeah, probably. But I I know they're going to want to build a new stadium. You know, the fact that they are discussing doing a new stadium and really like down the road already of building a new stadium in Nashville is super fascinating to me because that tells me that in the eyes of the Tennessee Titans and the leadership in Tennessee – that facility isn't good enough to compete with the likes of Minneapolis, like uh, Indianapolis, like the Death Star in Las Vegas, with SoFi in Los Angeles, you know, which are these brand spanking, gleaming, shiny new facilities. Uh, to say nothing of, you know, slightly older facilities like, you know, uh, the one in Glendale, Arizona, where they got the retractable field or Jerry World in, yeah. in Arlington. So the fact that they're moving is indicative that other cities like Cleveland, like Cincinnati, like Pittsburgh, even, you know, might be maybe even Baltimore, you know, which were all built in that city. Every stadium in the AFC North was pretty much built between 1993 and 2000. So all of them might be looking to move. I just think the point, the, the technological and, and architectural advancements are far more wide ranging from the late 90s to now than they were from like the 70s to the late 90s. Oh, no doubt. So like you're seeing city like like back in the back in like back in the day, like the perfect like, proof of that You would is... see you would see stadiums you would see stadiums get to like fifty years old before they would even think about something something yep. new. Now it's now, case in point, like you said with the Titans, that facility is not not even twenty five years old and they want to build a new stadium. Brown Stadium was built in ninety nine. In a couple years the Haslam's are going to be talking about building a new stadium. They just built a new stadium in Columbus for the Columbus Crew. Yep. You don't think that was a that was a test for the 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 big Kahuna up here in Cleveland? Oh, absolutely, it was. And we have not a- to say that the crew did, the crew badly needed a new stadium, but you knew the Haslam's did that with an eye towards. And Crew Stadium was built yeah. in 1999, yeah. same year as First Energy. And we have a shiny example of this, right? We talk about the difference between the 90s and now, right in our city. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse mm-hmm. was built in 1994 as Gund Arena. Mm-hmm. You were around at this time. Gund Arena compared to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Same building, but was there is there any comparison? No. <laughs> Not really. No. It's unrecognizable. No. If you went back in, in time, time to 1990, let's say 1997, the last time we hosted the NBA All-Star Game, would you even recognize the place? No. The inner bowl's geographically similar, but everything like, it's completely no. overhauled. Right, right, yeah. I mean, and and I think I don't think there's a way that you can structurally renovate uh, First Energy Stadium to a way that you would want it because of how they rushed to get the original structure built. That's why they they did they when when the Haslam's took over ownership, they did feasibility studies on possibly putting a dome over over the existing structure, and they just. With its proximity to the lake and everything, it just it's not feasible to do it. So, now the interesting thing um, before we get to our last topic and uh, we wrap up this episode is where are they going to put this new stadium? Eventually, the Browns. Hopefully, still because, downtown. Because well, because but the problem where? the problem is is you can't you can't knock down the existing stadium and build one right on top of it because where are you going to play football games for the three years that you're building it? Cleveland State, baby. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that undefeated football program. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, is Burke, uh, is the city going to close Burke Lakefront and maybe put a new stadium there? 
I know Mayor Bibb wants to close down Burke Lakefront. I don't yeah, know right, if that's necessarily that. the plan for it. But the thing is, is like one of the biggest things, biggest projects that this city needs to look into is developing the lakefront. It's one Absolutely. of the biggest reasons why Cleveland just can't develop themselves into a city like, like on a smaller scale, like a Chicago. We don't have developed lakefront. We have this, we have this lake, this giant ass body of water just to the north of us. And we have nothing on it. Even if you go down to the stadium, what is it? It's just pavement. It's just parking lots. It's just, you know, it's tremendous missed opportunity. Yeah. You have Burke Lakefront. That's right on the water that hardly nobody uses. It's, they need to figure out a way to keep that, keep, if they build a new stadium, keep it on the lakefront and then develop everything around it. Yeah, I completely agree. I, you miss out on so much that a lot of these smaller market towns have. Like when you think about like a San Antonio Riverwalk, you even think yeah. about like Smale Park in Cincinnati is dramatically yeah. better than anything that Cleveland has from that like on the water type yeah. of perspective. It's, it is it is a separator for sure of small yeah, market towns. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because I do not want to see – I do not want to see a new stadium outside the city limits of Cleveland. I don't want to see a stadium in the suburbs. I don't want to see – it's just I, – I just – you know, we remember when <laughs> – there was a rumor when they were building First Energy Stadium that uh, Strongsville was actually one of the Gross. spots that they were thinking. Like where where Serpentini uh, Serpentini is, all that land back there—that's where the stadium was going to go. Oh, yeah, so on the Metro Park you know, Reservation. You know, that's the, so bad for so many reasons. Yeah, I I agree with you, but could you imagine like like traffic on seventy one and eighty two is bad enough? Could you imagine if there was oh a gosh. football stadium there? Oh my! Well, I mean, I mean, they would have to completely rework the the highway system around there. Totally. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, I think I think you're gonna hear about it. You're hearing rumblings about it right now, and I think they're just gonna keep growing over the next couple of years. That um, a new football stadium is gonna be coming to Cleveland. There's one plot of land that I know for a fact has been discussed for as a possible stadium site, and that is just south of the I, four ninety I ninety I seventy one interchange. Yes, like just south yeah. of Tremont. Yes, like where Tremont meets the Industrial Valley. There's a lot of open space in that area. But again, that, that I mean, that could be. I mean. Obviously, they would figure it out, but that would be a logistical mess. Sure, putting something down there. But I mean, it's going to be a logistical mess to some degree anywhere. So. That's true. I mean, at least there you have the transportation links. Yeah, that's true. And the thing about the stadium now is it's it's in downtown Cleveland, but is it really downtown Cleveland because it's broken off from like everything? Yeah, it's like down the hill. It's kind yeah. of detached by. There's nothing around the stadium. Right. I mean, you got to walk up to West Sixth and and uh, West Ninth and all that, and West Third to find any sort of like restaurants or bars or whatever, but there's nothing around the stadium. But again, that's more of a lakefront problem than a no, I Cleveland Brown stadium no, I, problem. I agree. I agree. Totally agree. The city has completely dropped the ball over the last several decades. You would think you would think you would think that they would have they would have enough planning time when the team wasn't here for three freaking years to be able to do something <laughs> with the lakefront, but they never did anything. Their leadership in the city has been god awful for decades. The only good lake waterfront property we have is on the east and west bank of the flats. Yeah, on the river. Yeah. So, but anyway, um, yeah. Let's uh, let's finish out the episode. Let's uh, let's talk a little uh, World Cup qualifying. I mean, so do we have this, to? This um, time period, this last week, has been is basically the the denouement of World Cup qualifying across the world. So, to to preface this, no need to talk about the European aspect of it. the. 32 nations from across the world will qualify for the finals tournament, which will be played in Qatar in November and December of this upcoming year. And Beautiful this, that time this of year is a, in Qatar. 
<laughs> well, they originally they said they were going to play in summertime. Nothing like nothing like building they, nothing like idea. nothing like building stadiums on the backs of slave labor. Yeah, well, they didn't want to play in 120 degree heat. So yeah, go figure that. Uh, so to make a long story short, here actually each, the U.S. is playing right now, aren't they? Each they actually don't play till tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow. But yeah, well, every, today every if you're listening to this episode, was playing today, and so pretty much everybody is done uh, since. North America had to play three games in this window, and other continents only had to play two, so they had to give them an extra rest yeah. day after the game Sunday. Let's roll through. I'm going to pee my pants, so let's roll through it. But, uh, yeah, so to go through this very quickly, the <laughs> continents all, based on their overall strength, get a certain number of spots in the tournament. Yep. Europe gets the most with 13, and then the others just kind of go down from there. Africa gets five. South America gets four and a half, as does Asia. North America, three and a half. And then Oceania with just a half place. And I say halves because if you end up in one of those half places, then you have to play an additional playoff in June. So, again, I'll start with Europe here. If you're a fan of one of these or from one of these countries, uh, you're very happy because your team is in the tournament. Well, I'll actually start with Qatar, the host nation. They're in, obviously. Yep. They've actually never played in the World Cup Finals ever before. And they so won't play for long. It was a very controversial choice. Well, you think they're going out in the group stage? Well, I don't know. I don't they, know if they're actually they, good or not. They could. I, they, you'd certainly think so. But anyway, getting to Europe. Germany, Denmark, France, Belgium, Croatia, Spain, Serbia, England, and Switzerland, and the Netherlands won their groups in the group stage. So that's 10 teams. And then two other teams punched their tickets today in the in the playoff round, Portugal and Poland. There's actually a third group that is still ongoing. The reason why is Ukraine was, because of obvious reasons, was not able to play in this window. So it's the final spot from Europe is down between Ukraine, Wales, and Scotland. Uh, Wales defeated Austria in this window, so they're waiting on the final of the, uh, Scotland and uh, Ukraine have to play in a game already nice. before they get to Wales. So... If you're a fan of Gareth Bale, uh, he's only one game away, so he may actually get his nation to the World Cup for the first time since 1958, which would be very noteworthy. Also noteworthy, um, North Macedonia, they— Here we go. We're one game away from the World Cup. They would have been a first-time team in the World Cup. Who'd they beat? But they fell to Portugal Uh, today, so they didn't make it. Nobody. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we're we're not at liberty to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hey, you Tony? Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> going to South America. So Brazil and Argentina are your two traditional powerhouses there. They actually qualified last match window back in January. Uh, joining yeah, them, good, based on the results in this last window, are Ecuador and Uruguay. And then Peru finished in fifth, so they are going to have to play a playoff. In, it's kind of new, isn't it? Is Peru normally good? I feel like that's a Peru actually went through to the World Cup last time for the first okay. time in 30 years. They got okay, through okay. the playoff. They got to go through the playoff again this time, so we'll see on them. But Ecuador making it's a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were not really fancied. A couple other teams like Colombia and Chile didn't right. ended up not making it. So uh, that's South America. Going over to Asia. Asia was actually very straightforward. Uh, Iran and Korea were the two teams that qualified prior to this window back in January. In this window, Japan got a big win over Australia, so they mm-hmm. qualified. And then that also, that also put Saudi Arabia in mm-hmm. and meant that Australia was knocked into the playoff round. So, And actually, Asia, the way they with their double hexagonal system, they actually had to play an Asian playoff before the Intercontinental. Australia will actually have to tangle with the United Arab Emirates before that. 
Um, I might as well just say Dubai because you might recognize that more so than the Emirates. But uh, we don't know, <laughs> know who UAE is. Come on now, yeah. so a lot of people know. But anyway, so I'm those insulted. so again, Japan, Korea, Iran, and Saudi Arabia are in out of Asia, and then you've got North America. Well, actually, you have Oceania, where they actually play their qualification final tomorrow. It's New Zealand against the Solomon Islands. Wow. So whoever wins that, which New Zealand is favored to do so, uh, they'll go to the Intercontinental Playoff, and they will actually play the fourth-place team from North America in that playoff. So if you look at North America, Canada is in. They oh, had the most points. Canada. They are playing in the World Cup for the first time since 1986. Their team didn't even Actually, make have a really good team. They didn't even make the final round of qualifying for 2014 or 2018, but they rose up literally out of nowhere and went all the way to the top, first Go place Canada. in the octagonal. It was an incredible rise. They went past all the traditional powers, the United States, Mexico, and Costa Rica. And those teams are sitting two, three, and four in the standings going to the final night tomorrow. Effectively, Mexico and the United States are in. It would have to take some ridiculous result like Costa Rica beating the U.S. We love you. We love you. We love you. And where you go, we'll follow. We'll follow. We'll follow. Because we support the U.S., the U.S., the U.S. And that's the way we like it. We like it. We like it. Oh. 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 So, yeah. Yeah, again, unless if Costa Rica were to win by six or if they, like, win by three and Mexico somehow loses to El Salvador on the final night, it would take something ridiculous like that to, to change it. So, for all intents and purposes, Canada, Mexico, and the United States are in out of North US America. Just can't lose, U.S. just can't lose by six goals tomorrow. That's correct. Yeah. And Costa Rica yeah. hashtag, to- hashtag park the bus. Right, exactly. <laughs> Some have even suggested that the U.S. Just saying, put all 11 guys across the across 18. The line. Some have even suggested that the U.S. just not even show up in San Jose for this game, that they just take the 3-0 forfeit. And, oh, that's and, that, 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 that Bush League. It's in I'd kick, what we call I'd, poor taste. Yeah, I'd kick yeah. my own ass if I was if I was on the U.S. team and, we, yeah. and they even thought about doing that. Yeah, it's a no. It's so, a no for me, dog. Yeah. Ultimately, Costa Rica will be going to the playoff. They'll probably play against New Zealand. They'll probably beat New Zealand, quite frankly. So I, I would hey, expect North America to get four teams in. I mean, New Zealand did qualify for the 2010 World Cup. They actually didn't lose a game when they got there. So, there you go. yeah, who knows? I mean, we'll All see right, I can't that. wait. You guys keep talking. Peace okay. out, Dan. I'll be back. But anyway, so, again, 29 of the 32 tickets have been punched to the tournament. Again, you got those three that are still remaining. Yep. Uh, you've got what's probably, if I had to guess it, it'll be Purdue against either the Emirates or Australia in one intercontinental playoff. You'll then have probably Costa Rica against either New Zealand or Solomon Islands in the other playoff. Where even are the Solomon Islands? Are in the Pacific somewhere? Yes, they are to the northeast of Australia. You know where Papua yeah, New yeah, Guinea yeah, yeah. is? It's further It's kind of just further east from there. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. So... And then, of course, in Europe, you still have the one unresolved uh, mini tournament involving Ukraine and uh, Scotland and Wales. So now FIFA's not waiting around. Their draw for the World Cup, they're literally doing the, the next update of the FIFA rankings on Wednesday, on Thursday morning, yep. right after the final games in North America and Oceania hit. And then they're doing the draw for the tournament the very next day, on Friday, on nice. April Fool's nice. Day. 
So to make a long story short here, the United States is going to be in pot two, yep. which basically what they're doing is in the FIFA world rankings, they're taking the 32 teams and they're saying, here's your upper 25%. They're in pot one. Your next 25% are in pot two and then pot three. And then your lower 25 is is in pot four. Mm -hmm. What that basically means is that you can't be drawn against any of the other teams inside your own pot. And you're going to be up against one of the teams from from one of the other three. Practically speaking, for the United States, what that means is that they're going to end up with one game against a really, really good team out of pot one, which will be probably like a Brazil or yeah. an Argentina Traditional or a France or an England or, well, it won't be in Italy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn, and, the room uh, for a sec. Wow. Or a Spain, somebody like that. Then you're looking at two other games against teams that are still good, but not necessarily world beaters. It could be a Senegal from an yeah. Africa, or it could be a Japan from Asia, or it could be, you know, one of the lesser teams from Europe, maybe a maybe a Serbia, or it could be someone from South America, maybe an Ecuador, yep. who you know is a little bit of a surprise. So the U.S. is looking at getting two teams like that, and then one of the really really good teams at the top. So they're looking at getting an easier group overall than they had in 2014, probably like close to one they had in 2010. They had England in their group then, and then they also had Slovenia and Algeria. They were they actually won that group outright to make it to the to the knockout stage that year. Four years later, they came in second behind Germany, but right. they were able to beat out Portugal and Ghana, which was actually pretty pretty good as far as I'm concerned. So legendary Tim Howard game against uh, Portugal, right? Belgium. For the tie? Belgium, Belgium, Belgium. Actually, that's right, that's where right, he made right. 16 to saves to, to and his, his Wikipedia page was edited to make him the U.S. Secretary of Defense. That's the best. And then we, you and I were sitting in a suite at Monday Night Raw for the U.S.-Ghana game. Yes. Where uh, Clint Dempsey scored in the second minute. Yeah, like literally in the uh, 90 seconds into the game. And then they tied. And as it stood, us tying one-to-one -one would, would have knocked us out. Wouldn't have put us in a good place. That was the first game of the tournament, but yeah, we were pretty much not looking. And wasn't good. that when John Brooks had his header? Yes, in it the 86th was. minute to win the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Zeusy the Brooks, good old days. Yeah, you know we're on the verge of having some more good moments like that. And I would be amiss to mention this: the the continent I didn't mention during this whole thing yet, Africa, Antarctica, Antarctica, <laughs> cheeky. <laughs> No, they don't play the soccer Pole. in Antarctica, unfortunately. But um, Africa I didn't mention because it was the most dramatic today. You had a penalty shootout between Senegal and Egypt, which resulted in Senegal and Sadio Mane going through. Mo Salah, it, you, you should YouTube his penalty miss because it was just freaking hilarious how badly he missed today. Um, very, un very unlike him. The other countries to go through today, uh, Morocco went through, as did... Um, wait, wait a second here. Uh, I'm you don't know brain, this off having, the top of I'm your head? A, How dare on. you? I'm having a brain fart here. Hold on. Ghana are, you know, one-time traditional arch enemies in the World Cup. Our rivals. They, because of the freaky away goals rule, they were able to beat, they were able to beat Nigeria today. Sure. So they are in. But, oh, boy, did we have a whopper in the last game of the day between Algeria and Cameroon, my wife's birthplace. Literally, it's tied, and Algeria scores in overtime with three minutes, like 
118th minute, which normally they played 120 enough, their stoppage time, they'll continue past 120 if they're playing extra time. So Algeria scores with three minutes left plus stoppage time, and you're thinking, okay, that's it. You know, it's it's game over for Cameroon. Wrong. 124th minute, they score. It's crazy. Literally with under 90 seconds left in the game, they score. That's insane, especially giving up the, the goal. Was it the 118th? Yeah. Crazy. I, they win the game 2-1. to Where one. was the game at? It was in Algiers. Okay. Yeah. They they had actually lost the first leg in Douala, one to nothing. They were leading one nothing after ninety minutes of this leg, so they had to play overtime. Ultimately they win this game two one and again because of the ridiculous away goals rule, which we're not gonna get into here. Hmm. Cameroon wins the tie, they go to the World Cup, and I can tell you that Cameroon, much like many places in the world, is a place where soccer is the number one sport, is the number one passion for people. And I have no doubt whatsoever that people were dancing in the partying in the streets of Yaoundé, of Bafasam, of Douala, and every other city, every other town, every other village in the country. And they probably still are, even though it's like 4 a.m. there right now. They're not sleeping tonight. They're not going to work tomorrow, probably, because they're all going to be hungover. Love it. (laughs) What's the the alcoholic beverage of choice in in Cameroon? Oh. Man, oh man! Um, you know what? I wish Ren was down here right now because she could probably answer that. But <laughs> well, everybody who's listening, Google it. next week. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Good for them. Um, yeah. So, World Cup, the uh, stage is set pretty much. Yep, the draw is on Friday. We will know who the United States and who all these other teams will be facing in the group stage. Yep. Um, Amazing. You which, said it starts in September of 2023? No. The uh, World Cup? Novem- November. Yeah. November of this year. November of this year. Holy this crap. Year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, it's quick. I don't know yeah. anything. Well, it, it, it quickened up because they delayed the Euro for a year. So yeah, it seems right, like right, it seems right, like very right. quick. So, Which, by the way, we know who Italy's playing. Nobody. <laughs> because they didn't make it. Italy's become a country to where Here we go. they either make the tournament and they win it, or they just don't bother making it at all. Pretty and I'll much. say this. Spin zone? I'd say Italy lost on purpose because they're protesting the fact that the World Cup is in Qatar. Very noble. Spin zone. They've noble. been noble on the whole human rights front for years now because they didn't go to Russia either. That's right. So right, we're gonna we're gonna yeah we're gonna we're gonna end the episode right there because I, I can't take any more of this. So uh, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks, Matthew, again for being on with us. Truly a pleasure. Uh, and uh, this is episode two hundred four of Living Off the Land. Uh, you can follow us on social media at the LOTL Podcast. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. So for Matthew, for uh, hashtag Tortilla Steve, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, episode 204. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Peace.